0: But I love the simplicity of the Word of God. To think about that. You have made me glad. No matter what happens in my life. No matter what thing comes my way. I can stand and say, Lord, in your presence, you've made me glad. Hallelujah. I think we ought to just lift our hands one more time. What a beautiful, beautiful presence of the Lord is here in this place. Hallelujah. Lord, I love you and I thank you and I praise you for your mercy and for your goodness. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Exodus chapter 17. I believe it's reading starting in verse 14. I want to commend this church for your uh, the way that you follow after the presence of God. And I know we've talked a lot about the youth week, but it was a a watershed moment. And I watched as this church, when especially I'm thinking back of Sunday morning, Sunday morning was a lot longer than normal. But yet because you were tapped into the presence of God, you were okay with church being a little bit longer. You were okay with with different parts of the service. Sunday night, the way that all of that played out with the prayer line, I, I, I was watching and... I want to commend this church for following the presence and the moving of God. And if you'll continue to do that when I'm preaching, if you'll continue to do it when other things are happening that's not youth-related, then this church is going to continue to see the presence of God evident in every service. Hallelujah. We're going to get back to our altar series. And uh, I want to uh, show you this altar. And and it's an altar that while the, the message is very simple, What it means for your life and my life is profound. Exodus chapter 17 and verse 14. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out of the remembrance of Amalek from under the heaven. And Moses built an altar, and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, Because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Am- Amalek from generation to generation. I want you, not that we're trying to take out of the book, but, but if, if you will overlook for a moment the Am- Amalek, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about Amalek and, and, and how it, it, it plays out through all of Israel's history. There's a whole other sermon, a whole other depth to, to Israel's relationship with Amalek. But I want to just show you that Moses built an altar, and he called, it the, uh, he called the name of that altar Jehovah Nisi. Would you just ask the Lord to let His Word one more time speak to you this morning. Jesus, I love Your Word. And I, I am, am saddened when I don't spend the time needed. I, 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 I am hungry when I have not fed from it. Lord, it sustains me. It, it guides me. It leads me. I want Your light, Your Word, to be a lamp unto my feet, a light to my path. I want it to order my steps through Your Word. God, I want to be a student of the word of God, for it is the most powerful thing that we have today, because it's by how we know you, it's how we understand what you want to do here. So God, as we begin to look through your word and all that's contained, would you speak to us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated. We've had a few interruptions within our our altar series but so let me remind you, we started the altar series, we started with, with Abel's altar, and, and in doing so, we have to mention Cain's altar. It was the, the, the comparison of those two. We looked at Abel and we found that Abel's, the, the thing that separated Abel from Cain, and it separated his offering from Cain's offering, what well, was an altar of first fruits. If you had to condense that message down into just one sentence or so, it's don't give God the leftovers of your life. God does not deserve that. God deserves the first parts of your life. And that's in everything. It's in your tithes. It's in your offerings. But it's in your worship. It's in your attendance. It's in the way you work. It's in the way you live your life. Give God the first fruits. I... I guess because I'm doing it in a series, it leads itself to this, but I was struck simply by how the altars, as we go chronologically in the Word of God, how they seem to build off of each other. If you learn to give God the things first, it just naturally progresses you to the altar of of Noah, that altar of worship, that altar of thanksgiving. And then Abraham's altar, that's where I felt the shift. Abraham's altar, that altar of submission. Not only do you give God the things first, but you give God the things in your life that are most valuable to you. And so when you are willing to lay down in an Isaac and willing to go all the way through, then God will do some great things. The last one we mentioned a few Sundays ago was Jacob's altar, the altar of destiny and promise. And then today we get to Moses' altar. I've struggled today with uh, the how to label this one. I, I see the altar the miraculous, but I also see the altar of the understanding of God's divine power. And I don't know, I can't find a catchy title, so some of y'all, uh, you can help me out later. But in order to understand this, you have to see what happened before. Moses has brought the children of Israel out of, of, of Egypt and they've come through the promised land and, and we're before Mount Sinai, we're before the giving of the law and there's this moment where Amalek is a, a, a nomadic tribe and of course uh, Israel's tromping through people's tribal grounds on their way to the promised land. And, and here's what's interesting, the enemy, not only does the enemy not want you in the promised land but the enemy doesn't want you in their property and their life either. If Amalek would have just said, you know what, I realize you're just passing through, so I would prefer you to get as far away from me as you can, it would be great. But Amalek didn't. Amalek wanted to meddle, and Amalek came against the children of Israel. And God was not pleased. God understood that this was not where he had uh, intended the children of Israel to be, to stay. This was just merely a, 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 a passing ground. They were just passing through. But because Amalek lifted its hand against the children of Israel God said I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go to war with Amalek and it, it goes all the way it's uh, Israel never really completely defeated Amalek and that's one of the problems in Israel's life that's why King Saul lost the kingdom to be honest is because when he was supposed to utterly destroy him he didn't but I want you to get this visual picture and you've probably read it you've heard it you've seen it you know but here it is. Moses was not a warrior. Moses was, was probably up in age at this point. He wasn't going to be the one that and so that lot fell to Joshua and Caleb and some others down there, and, and they begin to fight the battle. But before they fought the battle, uh, Moses and Aaron and her, they trans, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they go up this mountain. and there Moses takes his staff. And as long as Moses held the staff high, as long as Moses' hands were raised, then the Israelites were were winning, they were defeating, they were pushing back the Amalekites. But if you've ever lifted your hands for any length of time, you know that that is usually something you don't do a lot, and it begins to burn in those muscle groups you don't use. And so naturally, Moses' hands would come down And they noticed that every time Moses' hands went down, the Amalekites began to win. They began to push back. And we'll get to this at the very end, but Aaron and her, they were noticing that, and they said, we can't have this. And so they got a big rock, and they put it there, and they had Moses sit on the rock, and they held his hands up. And because he could hold his hands up, Amalek Amalek was defeated and destroyed, and Israel won. And after that, Moses, of course he hears from God, I understand that Write this in a book, tell it to Joshua There's a lot of commandments from God But Moses builds an altar And Moses, and and, and this is the first time At least in the King James uh, Bible That it specifically says that he named the altar But I realized later that other altars had some names They just didn't say it quite as eloquently as Exodus chapter 17 does. And so he said, I want to call this altar that I built Jehovah Nisi, or the Lord, because that's what Jehovah, Jehovah was God, Jehovah was, was the, the proper name for, for the God of the Israelites, the God of creation. But they said, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my banner. Give, give me a moment to, to take this off. Let me take you back in, in Moses' life. I know you know this, but in case you don't, Moses was born in the slavery of Egypt. Moses was born right around the time that the Pharaoh had looked around and realized that these Israelites that had come from Joseph and, and, the, and, the, and the children of Jacob, they were rising up and there, there was so many of them, he feared they would overthrow the greatest kingdom of the, that the world had ever known, which was Egypt. And so during the time of Moses' birth, Egypt and Pharaoh had made a decree to kill all boys, all male children, male descendants that are born from the Israelites and there was a mass slaughter but Moses' mother uh, built an ark of bulrushes, a basket and painted it with sap or pitch and and, uh, put that baby in the Nile river and it floats down and so Moses the very beginning of Moses' life, Moses is saved by an ark of bulrushes it's more than just saving him from the immediate death of a sword thrust through He was also saved from from starvation, if you will, because as he floats down the Nile, he's found by the princess of Egypt, Pharaoh's daughter. And Yet still, that beautiful story where Moses' sister Miriam was kind of sneaking down, following and sees that and goes over to the princess and says, do you need a nursemaid? Do you need someone that can take care of this baby until it's weaned? And, And they said, yes, and so... Again, another miracle for the first four, possibly five years, Moses was raised by his own mother. But eventually Moses goes to live in Pharaoh's palace. All of the the trappings and all of the privileges of being raised in the house of Pharaoh was bestowed on Moses. He was Pharaoh's own grandson. Pharaoh didn't quite know all the details of perhaps of this little boy Maybe Pharaoh thought it was a gift from the gods of Egypt that his daughter would find him. I don't know. But there he lived in the palace and I know his children are. He was proud of that fact. I'm sure there were moments that he walked down the street and strutted a little bit because I'm Pharaoh's grandson. Perhaps there could have been, and, and some scholars would speculate that Moses' lineage and lineage could have possibly, if things would have lined out right, that he could have been the next Pharaoh or, or two Pharaohs removed. He, he could have been there, but he got himself in a little bit of trouble as, as he grew up and he began to feel the pull of that Israelite heritage and he kills a, 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 a Egyptian that's mistreating an Israelite. and. He escapes that vengeance. He escapes the law of Egypt. And I know as he escaped, he had no idea what he was going to do. But God blessed him and he found a good family, a good God-fearing family. found a wife there. He lived with that nomadic tribe there and, and, and had, had uh, all sorts of animals. And he would, he would take the sheep or the goats out. And then he gets that incredible God moment, that burning bush. I just want you to see all the cool things that happen in Moses or in uh yeah, Moses' life. God speaks to him from the burning bush. God has him throw his staff down and it turns into a snake. God has him put his hand in his, his cloak and pull it out, and it's leprous and put it back in and it's clean. And what a time. I know there was a little bit of a hiccup, and Aaron had to get introduced to it, but still, think about this. One man with with his 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 uh With Aaron, one man stands against all of Egypt. They stand there against the greatest kingdom that that time had ever known. They stand there against the greatest, most powerful man, Pharaoh, and stands up with no army behind them. The only thing he can claim is the slaves that are in bondage. And yet he's able to speak and basically tell Pharaoh no. And I'm just kind of wondering what that would do inside a man. If you could walk up to the President of the United States, or, or maybe that's not fair, what if you could walk up to, to any dictator that would have ever walked, walk up to Adolf Hitler, walk up to, to North Korean's dictator, and walk straight into their throne room and look at them and tell them you're doing wrong and God's going to do this and stop what you're doing. And Imagine that. He's able to throw down staffs and they turn into snakes and other things. And then it's by Moses' command, and I am i know I'm not giving you the whole story. I know God's involved, but just hang with me. By Moses' own command, ten plagues fall on Egypt until it ends with the death of the firstborn of all of Egypt's stuff. Moses is at the head of a line of millions of Israelites that walk out of Egypt and, and they leave behind, and they're carrying all of the gold and the silver, and they basically spoiled that city as they left. It's Moses, and I know there was grumbling and murmuring, but still, it's Moses that stands at that, that, that uh, Red Sea and raises his staff, and the waters part. They walk through on dry land. It's Moses who raises his staff again, and at his words, the water comes back and, and drowns all of Egypt's It's Moses that took them into the wilderness and they saw miracles, water turning from bitter to good, water, uh, quail, manna, all of that. And then it's Moses that gets up there and lifts his hand and as he lifts his hand, he sees a miracle and and this is the first warring that, that, that Israel finds and they won. And at the end of that, I find it very interesting. That Moses builds an altar. Altars are worship. We know that. We've talked about that. Altars are worship. Altars. There was something in Moses that began to resonate within him, and Moses says, "I want to call the name of this altar, Jehovah Nisi. Let me show you something. Uh, I don't. I don't think Abel named his altar. As far as I can tell, there was no name of Noah's altar. But it, do you remember an Abraham's altar? After Abraham laid Isaac on there and he was ready to slaughter Isaac and then God says because you submitted to me, I'm going to bless you and he looks over there and there's a ram, his his horns are caught and so he gets that and and while it doesn't say that he called the altar this, the Bible says that, that Abraham called the place Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides and when you submit your life to God, you'll find that he provides for you. So here we have someone who who did an altar and he was not, his altar, Abraham's altar was not so he could be provided for. His altar was a place of submission. It meant that if I have to kill Isaac on that altar, I'm going to kill Isaac on the altar because that's how I submit to the word of God. But when he got done, there was a blessing that came and he said, "This this is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who... Provides. That's the first time I kind of start seeing a name associated with an altar. And then you get to Jacob's altar. We, we talked about that a couple Sundays ago. Jacob gets back to that altar. It's the altar of destiny and promise. And he calls the place El Bethel. Bethel or Bethel meaning the house of God El meaning God And so it is that when he finally gets to the right place with God The right standing with God With no conditions and no other things He says this is the God of the house of God I don't want just the trappings I don't want just the the worship I don't want just the things that make me feel good I want a relationship with the God that's in the church Now we have Moses And Moses' altar is, he calls it Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. I told you that I'm going to be short, and I told you I'm going to be simple. But Brother Peters, I have spent many a time on a golf course with you, and we've had incredible conversations. And you know what I get when I talk to elders in this church? I get it every time I talk to you, Brother Sponsor. I get it when I talk to you, Brother Thurston, even in the midst of some incredible trials and things that are going, this is what I get. I am who I am because of Jesus. When Moses said, the Lord is my banner, I have to think that Moses was drawing on some visual images of Egypt's own armies. If you've ever seen, go go back and look at Ben-Hur. I've not seen the new one. I've only seen the old one, uh, uh, I think from the 60s or whatever. But go go watch Ben-Hur. Go, go study up these armies. They had them divided up. And each army or each part of the army would have a standard bearer. And they would have banners. And in Egypt's case, many of those different regiments, and that's probably not the right words, but many of those different regiments would be dedicated and they would fly under the banner of their god. And so if things happened good... They could say God was with me. But Moses didn't have that type of mentality. Moses said, I have looked back over my life. And I have seen that I was able to escape Egypt's sword. And I've seen that somehow I was blessed when I floated down the river. And I got to experience the pleasures of Egypt's palaces for a season. And I was able to find a good home even when I was running for my life. And I had done things wrong. And I had done things bad. And, and I was able to walk to a burning bush and see things that no Nobody up to that point had ever seen. And I could tell you if anybody at that point could have boasted in their glory and what they are, Moses could have. But it all culminated right there where Moses finally knelt down at an altar and he said, God, I didn't open the Red Sea. And God, I didn't cause any of those plagues. And God, I didn't throw down any staff. It's not me. I'd thrown down my staff a long time and a lot of times and never once had it turned into a snake. And so it was that Moses looked back over his life and as he knelt down at that halter, he said, This isn't me. This is you. Everything I've ever done, your hand has been on my life in the good times and in the bad times when I was wrong and when I was in sin and when I was running the wrong direction your hand was on my life and when I was doing the right thing and blessings were coming your hand was on my life because you're Jehovah Nissi the Lord is my banner can I just tell somebody today I don't know how, how much more I can, I can show you this or flesh it out But if you have not gotten to the place in your life where you can look at the Lord and say everything that I am is because of you then you need to build an altar quick and bow a knee in front of it and begin to look over your life and watch how God has directed your path. I know you went to college and I'm thankful for that. Some of you have advanced degrees and I'm thankful for that. But listen to me carefully. Your degree is not nearly as powerful as you think it is. In fact, I would dare say it's not the degree that got you where you are in your job, but it's because you let the Lord lead and guide you. I'd like a few more people possibly to say amen unless that's not you. Unless you think somehow that you studied enough in school and and somehow that you did everything your way and that's where you are today. If that's what you believe, that's fine, but could I tell you, that thing can fade. If you don't believe me, ask some um, some people that have, have experienced job loss and watch them realize that degrees that they've had. Sister Julie, you've talked to me a lot and I'm not trying to, but, but here, here's, let, let me say this. Sister Julie, you've got degrees and you've got training and it don't always get you the job you want. But you know what you've told me every day that I talk to you about this? But God's got it. <laughs> but God's got it. But God's got it. Why? Because I built an altar one day and I put it there and it says Jehovah DC the Lord is my banner. What does that mean? It means the Lord goes before me. The Lord goes before me in every battle. The Lord goes before me in every blessing. The Lord goes before me everywhere I go. What does the Bible say? When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will lift up a standard against it. He can't lift up a standard against the enemy unless he's first the God who has his banner over. you. for those of you that think that you can walk through life and you don't have to let God lead and guide you in everything and then one day you get into a bad spot and God's over here in the back side of nowhere and He says, oh wait, let me run and help you you've got another thing coming the only way God can lift up a standard and push back that enemy is if you were letting Him lead you in every aspect of your life up to then I'm telling somebody here right now that you need this altar of Jehovah Nisi, that he's in charge, and everything I do is because of him. I was reading in, in some of my study, I, don't, I can't remember now if it was a commentary or, a, or, or just an a, a article on this passage of Scripture, and maybe they're pressing, maybe they're pushing, I don't know, but this is what I, I, I read They said that when Moses would lift his hands up there on top of that mountain, it was a sign of his dependence on God. And when he would put his hands down, it was a sign of his dependence upon self or upon man. At the risk of pushing too far to make a point, I would tell you I see some great truth in that. Brother Hera. I've seen so many people in my life You're older than I am, so I know you've seen more. I've watched people that get into a bad spot and they find themselves an altar and they give their life to God and they want God to do everything for them. And then, Buford, as soon as things start working out, they go another direction. Hey, thanks, Lord, you you got me a job. Thanks, Lord, you, you, you got my family back. Thanks, Lord, you did this. But where are you once you have that? I just wonder, Moses had his hands raised and the battle was going. And I mean, it was, it was, it, 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 they, they were winning. The Israelites were fighting and Moses' hands were raised. And, and, and if you will, you could see the pushback of, of the Amalekites. And I mean, it looked like there's no way Israel could win. And it's a sacrifice for Moses to keep his hands raised. And so finally, his, he got tired. But he said, It's okay because they are so far ahead, we won't lose. So I can just rest for a little bit. He puts his hands down and he's probably just kind of chilling up there, and all of a sudden Aaron looks down, and her looks down, and the battle's going the other way. Hey Moses, get your hands back up. Moses throws them back up. All right, God, we need you. The war is winning. Alright, I'm good right now. I don't, I don't need that for a moment. Just let me rest. And swung. I want to tell you something that that I saw many years ago. And I saw it in terms of, of, of a pastor. But today as I was sitting in my office, the Lord let me let me see some other things around this. But I remember I was at a youth convention. My wife and I were youth pastors, pastoring in youth pastoring in Toledo, Ohio, first Apostolic Church with Mount Mark Jordan. And uh, I remember I was praying, it was just a powerful youth congress young people were there and we had taken a bunch of them and I was praying and I was kneeling down in my seat and, I mean God was really dealing with me and all of a sudden I, if ever I've seen a vision I saw a vision and there was some things happening in the church uh, uh, and, and, and there was some factions that were going on and and, and I was a young man but I knew that, that it was Brother Jordan could see it and it was hurting to, to watch those factions rise up and as clear as the day I saw Brother Jordan, but instead of his hands lifted, I saw, and the Lord showed me exactly who it was. The Lord showed me people, and they were standing on his hands. the Lord just, and, and this has nothing to do with this church, please. I just want to I want to get somewhere. But the Lord told me, said, said there are people in that church that are they're hindering their pastor's ability to depend on the Lord and to say, God, you've got this. They're, they're holding him down. And I went back and I told him, and 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 he actually. Gave me permission, and I preached that at that church. But this morning, I got this 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 vision that Aaron and her understood the value of someone who depends on the Lord. Now, this was in a leadership role, but but I could tell you, brother Matt and sister Roshana, that that it'd be the same in a family. When you got somebody that's willing to wholly trust in the Lord and say, God, you are my banner, I want to do everything I can to put their hands up because I want God to continue to do what he's doing. And I saw, we we always talk about what Moses did and, and how he put his hands up, but I saw Aaron and her running saying, I want Moses, I want my leader, I want him to walk and say everything he is is because of God. So if I have to hold up his hands, I will beauty of that depending on God we've talked a lot in the Old Testament but I invite you to stand if anybody in the New Testament perhaps it's because he wrote the majority of the New Testament but Paul understood the value of an altar a Jehovah Nisi altar he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9 my grace or, 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 but God said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness and so Paul said therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ might rest upon me there's other places in the in the Bible where Paul said if you want to talk about lineage I could tell you I'm born of the tribe of Benjamin I was circumcised on the eighth day I'm a Pharisee I you don't talk about I can preach better than any of you and 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 he had all of this but he said at the end of that he said everything that I am I counted as dung it's a pretty strong word it's nothing but manure Because all anything that matters is that you are my banner Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 I'm crucified with Christ it's no longer I who live but Christ who lives with me in me and the life I now live in the flesh I live by the faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me he said if you see anything I do don't think Paul did it it's because there's one I've knelt at that altar and said Lord you're my banner and then he ended he said in Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me I just want to challenge somebody we've walked through a lot of different altars and there's a few more I want to hit before we, we get out of this but you better find an altar where you can kneel down and say Lord you're Jehovah Nisi my banner you've gone before me in every part of my life you went before me even when I was a sinner but Lord somehow you directed me on the right track on the right path and now you've directed my path when I'm a saint. And God, there's nothing in my life I've done of my own accord. Everything I've done is because of you. I'm opening these altars. I think there's some altars right now that you can kneel in front of. I want you to come right now. Whatever, However you're feeling the Lord direct, you're feeling the Lord lead, I'm opening them up to you right now. Would you come and would you let him lead and guide you? Would you surrender your life to him? You hear In Jesus' name. You are my morning song, though darkness fills the